You are listening to a Mulgrew School podcast. So, uh, what we're going to talk about today is just the report card timeline, so you can understand when the reports will be out and how they come out, uh, what will be on the report card exactly. We'll go over our approaches to learning skills again. Uh, these are the three reports, the Progress 1, Progress 2, and Progress 3, and we're going to take a look at samples of each. We'll talk about the grade boundaries and understanding the levels. We've got a little activity that will hopefully help you uh, better understand how to read the report that you get when it comes home, and then have conversations with your son and daughter about that report. So this is the report card timeline for the year. Um, again, we'll post this presentation along with the sound in connections. So you don't need to take photos if you don't like, because uh, we will post this along with the actual presentation itself after. The first report card is coming soon, Friday, November 8th, which is right before our November break. And what will happen is that day, the report will be posted to SECTA Learn and Engage. And you can access the report through that portal. It's really straightforward, and I can show you kind of where that will be posted later. Uh, and that will be coming out on the Friday. The second report, which will happen in February, is kind of our bigger Progress 2 report, and that coincides with the end of Term 1. That comes out in February, and on that one, you'll get a full criteria level for each criteria, a 1 to 7 level, ATL skill judgment, and also an advisor comment. So that's kind of our bigger report that comes out throughout the year. And that's happening on Thursday, February the 13th. It comes on a Thursday because the Friday that, that week is a pro D. And then the final report card, which is the overall year-end level, 1 to 7 level, all the criteria levels, and the ATL skills judgment comes out on Monday, June the 29th. It's a little bit earlier this year just because of the timing of our year. We started a bit earlier, so we end a bit earlier. And this is really important, and we'll talk about this too. Although these are our kind of more formal reports that we send home, what is actually going to be more beneficial for you is this information where you're getting lifetime feedback uh, through SECTA. And so starting anytime around now, you'll see probably that your sons or daughters may have some assignments that have been returned uh, with feedback from the teachers. And that's a big transition that we made, is to, to look at making the actual uh, feedback that teachers are providing on certain big assessments available to the parents as well. And that allows you to have a much better picture of how your son and daughter is actually doing on assessments and the work that they're handing in, as opposed to just an overall level, which is hard to know how that came about. So we're trying to make it easier for you to understand a little bit more about where our teachers are coming from and exactly how your son and daughter is doing in their classes. Uh, so depending on the class, you will start to see some of those. It may not be in every class yet, but by the progress one, each course will have at least one uh, assessed piece of work insected with feedback. And it may be criterion, it may be just formative, but it will it, the idea is that you can see at least one for every subject. And so in grades 6 to 10, this is happening with a, a minimum of six assignments a year. And you can access this through uh, SECTA Learn and Engage as well. And these provide you with the kind of up-to-date feedback uh, about your child and their progress as the assignment is coming back. So you see the assignment and the feedback at the same time that the student does. Um, and we think that this is a really helpful way to generate good conversation at home about you know, how the student is using the feedback, are they using the feedback to improve, where they're at on each assignment, and you can kind of see their growth and progress throughout the year as well. Are there any questions about that? Has anyone seen any feedback or seen anything on SECTA yet? Okay, yeah, some people have seen it. Great. 
So the first report, uh, the Progress One report, is an ATL judgment specifically. We know the importance of our 21st century skills, and we really want to give the student and the parents as well uh, a kind of brief update about where that student is doing in terms of their ATL skills within a class. We've been in class now for over a month. You know, we started with camp and everything going on, and we had about a month and a half to this point. And so teachers are really starting to get to know the students and where they're at in terms of these ATL assessments. And we give this as an update to just let parents know kind of where your son and daughter might be at. So what the report for Progress One will contain is an ATL grade for five specific learning skills that we're going to go over. Uh, and these grades provide a, a profile of each student's development in their collaboration, organization, and reflective skills. And the teacher will be providing a judgment of your child's development in each of these areas. And students will have frequent opportunities to self-assess their progress against each of these areas of skill development. So we also know that when students understand where they're at, they can then improve. It's much better for them to self-assess and make an honest judgment about where they're at and then compare that to our assessment. Because when they know kind of honestly where they're at, it's much easier for them to improve as well. Any questions yet? OK. So these are the terms that will be used for students and teachers to describe competence against our approaches to learning skills. There are four of them. And when you see them on the report card, they'll show up as modeling, using, emerging, and requiring support. So when students are modeling, we say that they can show others how to use the skill accurately and assess how effectively the skill is used. Using, students employ the skill confidently and effectively. Emerging, students copy others who can use the skill and can use the skill with scaffolding and guidance. And requiring support, students are introduced to the skill, can watch others performing it, and require reminders and or support in order to execute the skill. So one thing I want to highlight at this point is if you are seeing a large number of E's at this point in the year, so that's emerging, that's OK. And, and we're, we really are working with um, the students. And we know that at this point, they may be requiring support or emerging in some of these skills, and that that's really OK. We, if the student is modeling all of these skills already, then there's not a ton of room for growth as well. So as teachers, we're trying to really look at the students and say, where do they need support? Where can they grow more? And then identify this on the report. What this is best for is taking a look at these skills and saying, you know, is there, is there a consistent pattern amongst all of the classes? Uh, is it around maybe handing work in or submitting assignments on time, using feedback, using your class time effectively? And if there's a pattern there where they're always requiring support to use class time effectively, that's where it's time to have a really good conversation with the student about ways that they can be more successful in class. And that will also happen here at school uh, with the advisor program. So once this report comes out, the advisors will also talk to their students about their report specifically and ways that they think that they can improve, just kind of to make sure the students are getting a further understanding as well. So these are the breakdown of the, the actual skills that you'll see. So these two are both organization skills. The first one is around meeting academic deadlines, and the second is using class time effectively. Uh, so the academic deadlines piece will be this student maintains an organized system of digital files under a notebook. So this is kind of like maybe a notebook check the teacher has done in class, or just a way of seeing are they actually tracking their work. And then meets expectations related to academic deadlines. That one, to me, is kind of an important piece. And that's one that will be very valuable for you to look into, is are they kind of using around that particular one? Because there really should be no barriers to students handing in work on time. And it's something that 
we are really working with, kind of six to ten all the way through, around students meeting academic deadlines and how we can support them to meet those deadlines. We know that that's a skill. It may not come right away, but we know that when students have the skills they need in order to hand work in on time, it ultimately makes them much more successful as they move through the program and then eventually into the diploma program and university. The skills of kind of being able to manage your time, uh, chunk your assignment, speak to your teacher if you're having difficulty. Just starting a difficult assignment can be something that we all get stuck on, I know, that happens in all through life, is that when you have a really big piece of work, you tend to do all the small pieces around it and don't tackle the big piece. And so we have this conversation with students. We're really trying to develop this skill. And if you're seeing a lot of R's in this particular one, that may mean that your son or daughter is behind on assignments. A lot of that communication will also be happening through SECTA or through the teachers. But again, a really positive way to have that conversation is just to try and ask like, what those barriers are to the students handing the work in. Uh, use this class time effectively. This one is pretty straightforward. How are they using their class time? And this is, again, an honest judgment from the teacher around what that student is like in class. Are they listening? Are they talking with their friends? Do they need support? Do they need kind of constant reminders? Uh, and this is, again, a skill. They're in middle school. Uh, often, you know, they're 12, 13 years old. This is not really intuitive when you're 12 and 13 years old and your brain is switching every five minutes. So we understand that this is a, a work in progress. But again, the reason we give this report at this time of the year is just so you also have a sense of what the teacher is seeing in class. And it can also foster really positive discussion in the student-led conferences. So when we get to that time, you can use kind of some of the information here to try and understand a little bit more about what's going on. Collaboration is how the student is working with others. So that would be in group work, kind of in like table groups, whatever the students may be doing and working together. That's an, an opportunity for uh, the teacher and the student to reflect on how they work when they're working with others. And the last two are the reflection skills. So that relates to written and oral feedback. So when the students are getting feedback on their assessments, you'll often see that they're then reflecting on that feedback or reflecting on the assessment. And so that's one way of kind of assessing how the student is doing in that piece. And then is the student taking the feedback to improve future assessments? That's kind of our ultimate goal is when we provide feedback, the students then can take the feedback that they've been giving and relatively quickly use that feedback to improve their work. Because that's kind of what we would hope is that they're able to see the feedback, take the feedback, and then use that feedback to improve. And one of the things that you'll notice about kind of our system is that we are really trying to focus on that feedback piece because, and less on the grade. What happens is when we just assign in big letters on their assessments a letter or a number, they see the number, close the book, and that's it. They don't go back. So we're working with them to try and really understand what the feedback is as opposed to just focus on the level that they got on that assignment. And then the reflection skills uh, seeks clarification when in doubt. It's just, again, a way to look and see, is a student also you know, coming to see the teacher after class for help sessions? Are they asking questions in class for clarification? And this one can be tricky because sometimes students don't need to do this all the time. So if you're seeing, again, using in this case, that just might mean that the student is kind of ticking along. They're doing really well in, this, in the class. They ask questions when they need to, and that's just fine. So my kind of bigger piece here is if you're seeing those E's and R's at this time of the year, it's not a necessary cause for concern, but a really good time to start asking questions about why they're coming. 
Okay, and that will be posted on Friday, November 8th. And it's going to look something like this. So the students will have uh, all of their academic courses, and then they will also have electives. For all of their academic courses, they'll be assessed against each of the five different ATL skills. In the electives, they may not be assessed on all five, and that's also the same for the life skills course, just because in some cases, they may not be able to hand in work, or they may not be like, I lead the rock climbing elective, and there's no work being taken in, so we won't assess that. However, assessing their ability to take on feedback is something that we can do, because there's a lot of oral feedback given throughout the course. Um, and so here are just an example of two different judgments. So in this class, the student is working really well with others, but it seems like they're probably behind in the deadlines of the drones course. So because they're building the drones, they'd have kind of mini deadlines set throughout the course around where they should be, and they would be behind in that. And that may be because they're not using their class time as effectively as they could. In this case, again, there's a piece around using class time effectively and seeking clarification when in doubt. So if this was kind of the report that I had seen, and right away, there's two emerging when it says using class time effectively. Right away, there's kind of a red flag for me around you know, what is happening in class that you're not using the class time to get the work done. Often, one of the challenges that we know students in the middle school have is they feel as though there's a lot of homework. And that uh, like getting their work done is a challenge. They have so much work. It's really different. But I'm sure as you've seen at home when they start working, we see the same thing in class where it's cell phone comes out first then headphones, then laptop, then they flip through a million different things, and then work starts about an hour after they've opened their laptop. And so we're really working on teaching them about efficiency and what that looks like and how to be effective when you're working. Uh, because there's so many distractions nowadays that it's really difficult for students just to self-regulate. And so they need a lot of support in self-regulating. And you know, we really suggest all the time even at home, if you have the opportunity to have them working kind of at the table with no cell phone, that's the best opportunity. If they say that they're in their room working, very unlikely. <laughs> okay? And so we're working about efficiency. It's great when you could support as well. And, and that's just something to start a conversation again. This, is not, this doesn't have to be a punitive thing at this time of year. But if they're saying that they have a ton of homework and can't get it done, and then all of their ATL indicators are showing that they don't use class time, then that's a really good way of kind of translating that message for yourself around what's going on. Are there any questions about what this will look like? OK. Uh, you will see for grades six to nine, or sorry, seven to nine, that uh, they'll either have visual art or design. And it's because those courses are semestered. So just know if you're, if you're seeing a blank for visual art or design that it'll come in the second semester. So progress report two is going to give you a bit of a bigger picture about how the student is doing in the course with, in terms of their actual criterion, and then their one to, seven, one to seven level. So this is what a progress two report could look like. So for each course, what you'll see is you'll see an overall MYP grade, and then a criterion score for each of the different criteria. So in this case, what you can see here is the overall MYP grade is up at the top in blue. So this student is achieving an overall level 5 on the 1 to 7 scale. Okay. 
And then what is also showing here is how they're doing on each of the criteria. So this student has gotten a 5 out of 8 on criterion A, 5 out of 8 on criterion B, 3 out of 8 on criterion C, and a 7 out of 8 on criterion D. And so what that means, and we'll talk about this as well, is slightly different depending on all the subjects. But each subject has four criterion, A, B, C, and D. Each of those criterion are out of eight. And then that score of eight gets converted here to a score out of seven. Really easy, right? <laughs> if you don't remember that now, that's fine, OK? That, it's, We'll walk through it a few times. We'll look at a sample report card. But uh, it just gives you a brief kind of understanding and picture. If you want to know what that conversion scale is here, it's also on the report. So 5, 5, 3, and 7 is 20. And that converts to a 5. So this student is getting a 20, which puts them between 19 and 23. So they're kind of on the lower end of the 5. OK? Um, Digging a little bit deeper, and again, this is a really good conversation point, I think, with the student, as opposed to you having to understand what each criterion is specifically. It's better if they can talk to it and explain to you a little bit about each criteria. And you will be able to see these links in SECTA as well. So obviously, what do you think is kind of glaring here compared to the others? Three, right? So it's, it's quite a bit lower than the other scores. For science, this relates to processing data and then concluding about the data you have. This is challenging for students, adults, uh, governments. Everyone struggles with kind of like putting data out and then actually making conclusions from the data. So what this might be is in grade 9, they've moved into a new rubric that has kind of new challenges. This would likely be their first attempt at that rubric. And so what you're seeing there is they just need more support in that particular criteria. And once they get that support, it may come back up. And you may see that again towards the end of the year. So one other piece that's really important to remember for term one is that this mark here, this three, will not necessarily be averaged if the student gets a seven the next time. That's one thing that's so important that I can't stress enough about the MYP. And it's probably my favorite thing about the MYP is that as the student shows improvement throughout the year and demonstrates that they're performing at a level, this grade can completely disappear. So if on the next assignment they take all of the feedback and they achieve at a level 6, then their grade may just be level 6 for that criteria. Because they've demonstrated later on in the year that there's been growth. And now that they understand how to achieve this, they've demonstrated it well. They've shown you an assessment. And this grade can disappear. And this will become 6. So if some of these criteria are a little bit lower in the first term, that's OK. Because what can happen is there could be a lot of growth between the first assessment, second, third assessment. And just know, especially if you have a, a son or daughter who's new to the MYP, that there's a lot of challenges that come with uh, being new at Mulgrave. And it takes a bit of time to understand this system. But we know that as well. And so we're working really hard with those students to get them to understand how this works and how they can improve as well. So if it's a little bit lower at the first term, that's fine, because we're really growth-minded. And we're looking at where are they at at the end of the year, not where they're at at the beginning or middle. This is just really to help inform you and the student with kind of a, a snapshot of where they're at just at that time. Is that clear-ish? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. Um, 
So part of it is about actually just aligning the MYP with the diploma program. Uh, in the diploma program, the scores are only based from one to seven. And so we wanted to make sure the MYP is consistent, so there's transfer between uh, MYP and DP. So we take those four scores out of eight and convert them to a score out of seven. Yeah. So you mean that now for middle school, so the maximum is going to be, I mean, uh, seven? Yes. Okay. So, so this is where you want to focus on that one to seven piece. The maximum for these is eight, and they convert to a scale out of seven here. Seven. seven. But for individual assessments, it may be eight. Okay. Yeah. And we will talk about that uh, as well. Six is very good. <laughs> it's very, very good. And, and it's kind of really exceeding expectations. And so that's something that we'll come back to as well, is that she's not lying. Six is a very, very good, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, achieving that well already at this point is fantastic. Yes, it is. And we'll look at the scale again. This is, again, above expectations. So 5 out of 7 is, is a very good score. Um, I just want to clarify something. Just like to say, you know, we take the A and we, this is the IB that does this. Like, this is the worldwide IB MYP assessment framework. This is not us. And obviously, it's so confusing. I think if we could change it by snapping our fingers, we would. But the IB mandates that we assess like this. So yeah, scores out of 8 for each criteria. Criteria, but then um, combined to score a grade out of seven, it is not intuitive at all, but it's not our fault. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. Will you just see one final grade on the report, but remember that you can always see those in SECTA. Yeah, it says specifically which criteria, and it'll, there'll be a judgment against the criteria on that. So in the MYP, there'll be a minimum of two of those assessments against each criteria per year. But what that often means is there will be formative pieces as well. And so even though there are only two major summatives, that a lot of formative work is, well, is happening as well. So in science in particular, um, this criterion A is called knowing and understanding. And so that's more like your kind of common test uh, knowledge recall criteria. B and C are actually often assessed together here. One is inquiring and designing and then concluding and evaluating. And so basically, like for your kind of basic high school understanding or whatever it might be, this is kind of designing the lab and this is then looking at the data and making conclusions about it. And then criterion D is reflecting on the impacts of science. 
And so that's their ability to uh, look at science around us in the world and talk about the impact of, of what science is doing. So they are assessed very differently. In science, often B and C are, are together. Humanities is the same as, as Ms. Burns mentioned, Lindsay, uh, that criterion B is a research component. And so it's often carried out with a number of other criteria. So they're doing research, and then they're evaluating that research or speaking to that research. So again, you'll see an ATL judgment on that report. And where it'll actually sit, it just kind of gets cut off here, is right below. So for each subject, you'll be able to see the criterion, the level, and then the ATL judgment. Okay, so this is a quite strong ATL score, obviously. So this student is modeling really, really great work in class. And if that was tied to this report in particular, what that kind of says in my mind is that this student is doing everything right in class, and there will probably be improvement. So again, this three could have just been linked to the fact that it was their first time doing that large summative. And here, when you're seeing that they're attentive to written oral feedback, they're seeking clarification, it means they're kind of asking the right questions in class about the assignment. They're probably coming to see you for help. And so this, this would be a really positive sign with that report. And so the two in conjunction are actually quite important. And then what you'll see at progress two, and this is just a summary page that we print at the end, is an example of the individual levels and then the final level achievement for progress two. So these are each of the major academic courses, and that's then with a uh, final level achievement as well. So you get a kind of an overall picture of how your son daughter is doing. What will be important here is that for grades seven to nine, this student then has not yet taken visual art. So visual art will end up showing up in their final report. Design has finished at this point by the end of progress two. So this level here, this five, will be their final score for design. And the reverse would be true if they were taking visual art in the first term. So visual art and design are the only two that flip. And so what you'll see then in the final report is there'll be a blank where design was because it's already finished, and there'll be an additional column here for uh, visual art. OK, and I'll give you a second to read this. What you'll also get at the end of term one from your son or daughter's advisor is just an overall comment about how they've been doing so far throughout the year in their ATLs against their courses and also a reflection on their CAS. So this is last year's, which talks about Passport. This year we moved to CAS, but it's still an example of what might be there. Do grade sixes have advisors? They do. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a little bit different than in the, in the middle school, where we have a, a bit of a smaller group spread through all the different teachers. Yeah. So this is just to kind of give you a bit of a holistic update from the advisor about where your son and daughter is at. And this can be really helpful as well, because it'll give uh, an update on the goals that you set at the beginning of the year and how the student is doing compared to those goals, as well as just an overall picture of how they're doing and maybe a couple points for improvement. Um, any questions about this? OK. And then the final report, the 1 to 7, one to seven level and ATL judgment is happening Monday, June 29th. Again, it looks 
the same in terms of what you'll see here. So this was basically the exact same page that we had before. Now it's just these will be the final criterion assessments for the year. They'll get, and then this is what that academic results summary page looks like at the end of the year. No, so that's a good thing to pick up on. This is just this specific case. What you would really be hoping to see is that there is improvement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so because it's just not happened in one course, it's actually happened in a few courses, this is where we'd want to have an understanding of why. Um, because this is definitely not what you know, myself, you, the student would be hoping for. So maybe there's something bigger that happened uh, with this student that, that caused a bit of a decrease. And so that's something that we'd really want to look into as well as what happened and why did that happen. Okay. Is there opportunity for that on the last report card? For the with the advisor, there's an advisor goal setting or a wrap up as well. Yeah, but this the this comes basically right at the end of the year, so the students don't see this until the 29th. So at that point, no. But often, what happens, especially with middle school, is that the goal setting conferences the following year, this will be looked at as a way to help the students set academic goals. So that conversation could be happening in the following year when they're kind of planning and looking at the course. And again, I think that what's also important to highlight is this probably wouldn't come as a surprise. You know, these assessments would be showing up in SECTA. Again, if there's kind of three courses where the subject has fallen, usually there's something bigger that's going on and that the parent, advisor, and teachers would be involved and, and no. So what we're looking for all the time with each kind of assessment is we say most recent and most consistent. Okay. So that's the it's other piece that's average. important. There's never an average. No, it's, it's really about like what level is the student most consistently demonstrating on their work and then also most recent. Yeah. So what may happen is that like let's say for example a student has gotten on criterion C 6663. Right? And so that last assessment, for whatever reason, has fallen off. In that case, a couple of things could happen. The teacher could make a judgment saying, that student's a six, something funky happened on the last one. <coughs> Not going to think about it. It could be maybe the student's a five. So where in that case, they've demonstrated six, 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 but then one of the maybe objectives in the criteria, they're just not hitting consistently. And that's why it gets a little bit tricky is you have to also look at like which objective in the rubric they're hitting. But it may not be they come all the way down to three. And I know that's not meant to be average, but it's that they're demonstrating close to six, but they haven't consistently hit it enough to be in the six band each time. And that's where the highlighting in the rubric would also be really informative because there are kind of a couple ways to get there, okay. if that makes sense. It's a pattern. A pattern is a much better way of saying it. And so you're looking at what is the pattern throughout the whole year. And so a single kind of blip in the pattern doesn't necessarily bring it right down as long as, so six, three, six, six, that would be six. Any That's a very good question. Thank you. Any other questions so far? Okay. 
I'm not going to go through this again because I'm going to hand these out, and I've been talking for a long time. <laughs> You've been very good listeners, much better than my grade 7 class. They, they would be going crazy by now. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to talk a little bit, and I'm going to show you uh, a bit of an activity that we could do to, to kind of make sense. So what we're trying to get the students to do is make sense for themselves and for you to see as well like how they're doing. And this came up in the first session where we're looking at uh, what does it mean to be level one, two? Often that means that they're kind of stating. So they're able to take what they've learned and kind of recall it. That's your really basic recall level. Uh, level three, four is where they're doing more describing. So they're able to kind of take what they learned and describe it back to you. Explaining is they're, they're also describing it, but they're then giving reasons and causes for why it's happening. And then the skill that we ultimately want them to get to is being able to analyze and evaluate. Again, that's a really challenging thing to do, but that's our goal for where the students would be getting to, is that they're able to interpret the information, analyze it, and then also make an evaluative judgment based on that. This is, again, a really important life skill. We know how crucial it is to not just be able to recall information, but to actually kind of put it in place, analyze it, and then be able to talk to it. And so that's where we're hoping the students will get to. What I would like to highlight from this, because the question came up before about level five versus level six versus level seven, is that level three is producing work of an acceptable quality. And that's hard to wrap our minds around if you're used to a like, percentage system, because three out of seven is less than 50%. And so if that's how you're trying to make that conversion, it really just doesn't work. Uh, and so you, as challenging as it can be, you kind of have to throw out that idea that three out of seven is 42% or whatever it might be, because that's no, there's no conversion like that that we use. It's, Produces work of an acceptable quality, communicates a basic understanding of concepts and context with occasionally significant misunderstandings or gaps, begins to de demonstrate some basic critical and creative thinking, and is inflexible in the use of knowledge and skills, requires support in familiar classroom situations. So that's not a bad judgment of where students would be at, and I think that's really, really important to consider. Contrasting that to level seven, which is we have this real push where students are working hard, teachers are working, and then parents sometimes are saying, well, why aren't you getting a level seven? Because it's the top of the scale, and it seems like that's where you would want them to be. But just reading this, high quality, innovative work, communicates comprehensive nuance, understandings of concept and context, consistently demonstrates sophisticated, critical, and creative thinking, transfers knowledge and skills with independence and expertise in a variety of complex classroom and real world situations. This is a very high standard of achievement. Uh, no one has said these things about me ever. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just there's some of those those terms in there. You know, frequently innovative, transfer. These are really difficult things for students to do. What should not be the case is is thinking that you can't get to that level, because we are striving for all students to get to their own personal best level, and the seven has to be achievable. Now, when it's achievable, who it's achievable for will vary. And so that is really important to keep in mind, is that you know, level five is produces generally high quality work, secure understanding of concepts and context, and demonstrates critical and creative thinking, sometimes with sophistication. That, again, is a very good judgment of a student and how they're actually receiving and handling work. So I think, hopefully, that provides some context around that piece. I know one of the things that comes up is kind of University, what does that look like? How do you transfer fives when you go on to university? The really unhelpful answer is that it really varies depending on the university in the year. 
um, but that students are accepted to a broad range of universities when they're achieving level fives. And starting in grade nine, there are kind of mandatory meetings for uh, grade nine students, parents, and the university counselors to help you translate some of that message uh, to know where your son and daughter might want to go. The idea behind that is not to put pressure on the student, but it really is to actually try to alleviate some of the stress and starting to understand you know, what will be helpful for the student when they think about university. Because we're, we know that there's so much pressure nowadays on students to always feel like they know what they're going to do after school, what university they're supposed to go into in grade nine. There's pressure around acceptance into universities. And I can tell you that at I taught grade 11, 12 biology here for five or six years. And when students come back to visit after they've been away for university a year or two, I would say it's over 50% have changed their major in the first two years. And so that, I know if you were at university, I know that happened to me. It happens. We know it happens. And so just we're working to try and get them to think about where they might want to go, but knowing that that path changes all the time, and that's OK. That's one thing I really like to communicate, is that not knowing what university you want to go to and do in grade 9 is OK. You're in grade 9. <laughs> and it's rare that anyone is on that kind of straight of a path at that age. So what we always are trying to do is keep options open for the students. And that's what we like about the NYP and the DP program, is they're the liberal arts programs that give students a really wide range of skills, of coursework, and it allows them to make choices as they get older. Okay. Any questions about that in particular? OK, less, less talking by me. Uh, so at your table groups, I'm going to hand out a couple of these with the boundaries. And I would just like to uh, have you at your groups kind of go through these reports. So there's three different reports. Talk about the students. Talk about their potential ATL profiles. And see if any questions come up for you about the profile. So imagining that this was kind of a report that you were getting at home. You're going through this with your son or daughter. And there's three different reports here. You know, what questions might you ask? And I, I printed out some of the uh, grade level boundaries sheets as well. <laughs>